0: Merry Christmas. Christmas time is upon us and it's good to stop and look at the real reason for the season and no one has a better perspective on that than the person that the season is all about. Jesus Christ came into the world seeking to save that which is lost. We are lost and he came to save us. So in these next three podcasts we're going to talk about why Jesus came in his own I would ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, to John chapter 10, to what is not normally thought of as a Christmas passage, but it is. It's like just about any passage in Scripture uh, that can become a, a resurrection passage. I can find something and make my way to the cross to tell the story of Jesus. And last week, when we gathered together, we talked about why Jesus came. There's a lot of knowledge out there about how he came. We know that he was born of a virgin, and we know about the night that he came and all the instances that took place there outside of Bethlehem with shepherds and angels and an innkeeper that never says anything. We don't even know that he was there, but there was no room in the inn, so he must have been, and he's written into the story. And so many things related to the Christmas story that talk about how he came and the night, the excitement, and all that. But I wanted to talk about why he came, and not so much in the words of a preacher, but why Jesus came in his own words. And last week, we began by talking from the Gospel of Luke to where Jesus is in the temple, and he is talking and answering, asking questions uh, with the elders that are there in the temple. And when his mother Mary and his father Joseph, his earthly father, shows up there, they said, we've been worried about you. Where have you been? What have you been doing? And he said, well, I've been right here. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? What is the father's business? That's why Jesus came. The Bible says that Jesus came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus said, I came that I might be a ransom for many. And throughout the course of his life, he did miracles, he raised the dead. And he stood outside of Lazarus's tomb and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. All of these are things that are about the Father's business. One of the clearest statements that Jesus ever made about why he came is found in John chapter 10, verse 10. And that's what I want us to talk about in these moments. John chapter 10, Jesus talks as a shepherd. He said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want to talk to you this morning about the abundance of Christmas. The abundance of the meaning of Christmas and the abundance of what Christ did. The Bible says that he wants those of us who dwell in the land of darkness to have light. And he wants those of us who are part of the land of the dying, and we all are. For the Bible says that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. And until Jesus comes into our life, there is no life. And Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So he came that we might live, but he he came not just that we might live. There's a lot of people that you look at them and you think, well, they're alive. I guess they are. Uh, I have, as a preacher, that experience many times on Sunday morning, uh, looking out at you all thinking, well, they're alive, I, I think they are, they're, they sure do look natural, uh, seated out there, I think they're alive, but he, just, he said, I didn't come that you just have life, I came that you have real life, I mean, better than Dr. Pepper life, uh, I came that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. I heard an old preacher years ago talk about those people that first discovered America and sailed up. Well, there were already people here when they got here, but they made their way across the Atlantic and they came to discover this land. Not knowing they were going to discover this place, they saw the beauty of it from along the shoreline and from those first few steps or miles inland, but they never saw the Appalachian Mountains. They never saw the beautiful state of Kentucky. They never made their way through the bluegrass. They never made it across the Mississippi River. They never saw all of the Great Plains or anything. They never experienced the Rocky Mountains. Neither did they see the the, uh, Grand Canyon, nor did they make it to the Pacific Ocean. And they discovered something, but they didn't discover it all. What I know for sure is that when you come to know Jesus Christ, you're going to discover some things. But the further you go in your walk with the Lord, you're going to discover a whole lot more. You're gonna discover that Jesus didn't just come that you get saved and have a fire insurance policy so that you're gonna make it to heaven. He says, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He wants us to have an abundant life, and everything our Father does is abundant. Now, think about this. The Bible says that when God created the heavens and the earth, by the way, It was read just a few moments ago, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And so when God created everything, and the Bible says that He said, light be and light was, and everything was created and put in its proper order. And then when He created the animals, the animals that moved about on land, the Bible says He didn't just create one pair and say, go do what you want to do. If you're looking for pair zero or pair one, you're going to have trouble because it says, abundantly. He created abundantly. He didn't put just one fish in the sea. The fish teamed with life. Abundant fish to be caught. And there still are. I just have trouble catching them. And I saw you may have read this article about the the guys down in Texas that got arrested. They had caught 175 crappie over the limit. And maybe I'm strange for thinking, I wonder what they were using. I mean, how do you do that? But When God made life, he made it abundantly. When God created fish, he created them abundantly. Everything God does, he does on a grand scale. So when we think about how Jesus came into this world, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this first taxing was made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed. Folks, I'm talking about on a grand scale Something big was going on. Why would Mary and Joseph leave Nazareth and make that journey down down along the Dead Sea, wandering around along the Dead Sea, or down the Jordan River toward the Dead Sea, and then up to Jerusalem, and then south on down to Bethlehem? Why would they make that? They weren't going by themselves. There were a whole lot of people. I'm saying that And we, on that night, when the shepherds were out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock, we don't know the atmosphere that night. I mean, you say, well, I'm thinking, and I've, and I've said this and thought this, bright, starry night, uh, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. Well, suppose it was like one of these Missouri, November, December, January, February, March nights. Like when you got a whole lot of fog, like when it's kind of dreary, and then all of a sudden, this shepherd is standing out there. These shepherds are out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and it's dark and it's dreary, and suddenly, Boom! something bigger than what we could ever portray in a Christmas musical or drama, something bigger than what we portrayed when I was a kid at Ten Mile Baptist Church, and we'd put a, a, a little eye over here in one wall and, and screw that little eye in and screw another one in over on this side, stretch a wire all the way across the auditorium, hang up some bed sheets. We had a stage, and we did a grand display of what Christmas must have been like. But I'm telling you, there's no way that we could ever possibly imagine how it was that night when there was an angel. I've never run on to one, but I know the first words that seems to flow out of every every angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. I haven't come to scare you to death. Fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And let this be a sign unto you, she'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God. Now, I, I'm talking about when God did this thing, he did it on a grand scale. Now, let me, let me preach to you for just a few minutes. Thank you, David. Let me just talk about five abundant things with Christmas, and I will get you out of here close to on time for next Sunday. (laughs) First of all, there's the abundant promise of Christmas. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 on, there is a promise of an event that will right every wrong, release every captive, redeem every lost soul. He shall bruise the serpent's head. Folks, that's a promise. That's a promise of Christmas, and it's abundant promise. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder." Notice it's a shoulder singular. It's not shoulders, as we so often say. You know, God only needs one shoulder to carry everything on this in this universe. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. It sounds like a, an abundant promise to me. He's going to do this in a big way. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall, become, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. This is something big. It sounds like a promise, a promise that God abundantly kept. And you can, you can track it, over 40 promises that flow out of the Old Testament pointing toward what Jesus would do when he came. Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet, and now by podcasts, that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Moni Schenkel or you can write to mschenkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. The abundant promise of Christmas, the abundant prayers of Christmas. Now we've all, from the time we were little, we prayed at Christmas time. I mean, you may have, you, you may have prayed what you wanted. You may have prayed for, uh, like I did, for like I wanted a Fort Apache set, a Fort Apache set. I mean, it was, it was outstanding, it was a great thing, and I really wanted it. And, and when I got up on Christmas morning, under the tree was some kind of a goofy safari set. It wasn't Fort Apache at all, and I'm thinking, what is the deal here? It would be years and years and years and years later when I discovered that the elves got busy too late. They got busy too late. No Fort Apaches to be found anywhere. They got busy too late. And so I wound up with a goofy safari set. Uh, yeah. Well, you say, well, I prayed, but yeah, what about that? And then uh, I can remember one year I asked for, um, I, I wanted a remote control airplane, not the kind of could ride in, but just fly a little bit and at that time they didn't have all the radio control stuff that they have now and it it had two two lines that ran from a handle you could control it you control the little flaps on the plane you could take it up you could take it down except we and we got out in the backyard at the house and we took aluminum steel siding from off of a barn that was there we laid it out great big circle measured it out so it would be just exactly right we could take it off we could land it and dad said i well you better let me do this you better let me do this And it was an amazing, black, shiny airplane that went up once and came down once. It's like, Merry Christmas. Well, we have a lot of prayers that we pray, and you may be praying about somebody, you pray that they'll come home for Christmas, or what you want, really want is to go home for Christmas, or all of that, maybe some special guest, and your prayer is involved in that group that's going to be gathered together. We sing, we sang this morning, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel who mourns in lowly exile here. What is that song but a prayer? Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. What is that song? It is a prayer. Simeon and Anna stood at the temple praying and waiting for their redemption and for their Redeemer, and now that Jesus showed up, there seven days after the birth of Jesus, when they showed up at the temple, it it is Simeon that says, now I am ready to die. I can depart in peace. My prayer has been answered. My eyes have seen the Redeemer. And Anna said that she gave thanks unto God for her Redeemer had come. There are abundant prayers that surround Christmas. So there's the abundant promise of Christmas and the abundant prayers of Christmas. And there's abundant praise of Christmas. The coming of Jesus into the world brought about much praise and worship. We read of it in Luke chapter 2. We can quote it in Luke chapter 2. There were words of great joy spoken by an angel of the Lord. Good tidings, great joy. All people, the message of the angels was a message of glory to God in the highest. Even then we have gathered, even here we have gathered to praise the Lord for the incarnation of Jesus Christ. But through the years, as we've had so many programs, so many times we've gathered, we will, Lord willing, be able to do this again next Sunday morning for all of these things, whether it is from a children's program where we sing Away in a Manger, or whether it's the presentation of Handel's Messiah, the sounds of praise, fear f- f- rise from God's people during this time of the year, there is an abundance of praise, radio stations de- devoted to praise, Gatherings together devoted to praise, and it all started in the shepherd's field outside of Bethlehem. We carry on this wonderful tradition of giving glory to God. So there was abundant promise, and abundant prayers, and abundant praise. But all now, folks, listen to me very carefully in these next few minutes. There's the abundant pardon of Christmas, There's a verse in Isaiah, we know a lot of verses about the coming of Christ in the world. We know the one that talks about how Jesus would be born of a virgin. We know about the verses that I just quoted uh, from Isaiah chapter 9. We know about Isaiah chapter 53, where where the Bible talks to us about a suffering servant who would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him. By his stripes we'd be healed. But do you know this verse, Isaiah 55, 7? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I'm thankful for a God that doesn't just pardon, he abundantly pardons. Everything he does is big, everything he does is on a grand scale. And so, He will forgive us of our sins, but the Bible says He will abundantly pardon. Justification is this, He justifies us by declaring us righteous, and that's what He does. And there are always people, we always have people, and some of you here today would say, well, I know that I have have been abundantly pardoned, but there was that time, but there was that sin, and you won't forgive yourself. When the truth is that Jesus Christ has already borne all of your sin upon Himself and went to a cross and died between heaven and earth and was buried and rose from the dead for your justification. He did that. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to give you life that you might have it more abundantly. When God pardons, He abundantly pardons. When He forgives, it's total forgiveness. It's a part of the abundance of God's plan. Sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. We had Dr. Bob Pittman with us a few years ago, and he asked this question, aren't you glad that God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west? Aren't you glad he didn't say he removes our sins as far as the north is from the south? Because if you fly far enough north, you're going to start going south. Or if you fly far enough south, you're going to start going north again. But you can never go so far east that you begin to go west again. And you can never go so far west that you'll ever go east again. When God forgives us of our sin, He pardons us as far as the east is from the west. It matters not how sorry and full of sin your life has been or is today. It matters not those things because the abundance that He has for you is an abundant pardon to forgive you of all your sins. He's going to change your life. He gave the greatest gift that has ever been given to this world when he gave Jesus Christ as his son, when Jesus comes, forgiveness and an abundant life. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So there's the abundant promise, all these things tied to Christmas. And abundant prayers, come, O come, Emmanuel, Lord Jesus. When are you going to come and set the captive free? Messiah, when are you going to come? They look for the Messiah to come. There there is this abundant praise that took place on the night that Jesus was born. There's this abundant pardon that he offers to everyone. Have you found that pardon? Have you called on the Lord? Because if you call on him, he'll forgive you of your sin, and he'll wipe your slate clean. Abundant pardon. But that leads us to this, and that is in the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, there's abundant peace. Now, our world is not at peace. I mean, our country's not at peace. It seems like we have, well, you got the Republicans and the Democrats. They might coexist, but there's not a lot of Peace. And you'd you'd agree with me that not only has 2020 been a year when there's been a whole lot of physical angst with regard to a worldwide virus that's gone on, but have we ever seen a nation, in, in our nation, in turmoil like it is now in our lifetimes? I'm not saying it's never been this way before. We certainly had a civil war that proved that it was this way before. But I'm saying that in our day, there is not a lot of peace on earth. We would agree with Longfellow in despair. I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. And so how in the world do we sing Silent Night, Sleep in Heavenly Peace? And I'm not like a little child that sang it, uh, Sleep in Heavenly peace." Who wants to sleep in peas? What has peas got to do with Christmas time? But it is peace. And the message that came from that angel that first night, that first Christmas night, was and on earth, peace, goodwill. I know some translations read it peace to men of goodwill. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Not all Christmas celebrations are peaceful. Some have been celebrating the depth of war and conflict, but the message of that first Christmas was one of peace, peace on earth, goodwill to men, was the message that came on that midnight clear. You can have abundant forgiveness, you can have abundant peace, you can have abundant life. The further I go, the more I must learn to trust Him for peace. And so must you. You've waited through a difficult year, but through it all, we've discovered that if we know Jesus, they can't take it away from us. Uh, we can't lose that. No one can steal it from us. No one, the thief cometh not, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus said these words himself in John chapter 14, verse 27. Boy, what a blessing. Mar- underline it. Mark it with a highlighter. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I give to you not as the world gives give I unto you let not your hearts be troubled neither let it be afraid thank you for listening to this podcast today well, we appreciate you tuning in we pray that this has been a blessing to you and I pray that today you and your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon him. And if today you've never trusted in him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.